0: Hi, this is Pastor John, and we're glad you're joining us for our broadcast. You know that Letter of 1 John has much to say about false teachers and the impact they have on the church. From experience, we know that they usually look good and sound good. So it can be a challenge to determine the good teaching from the bad. In today's sermon, we'll find out how to test the spirits. So let's join the service for part 8 of our series in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John as we try to answer the question, How do you tell? Obeyed in all that it says. Wow. I want to. I want to just talk to you for just a second. Because we got Hawaiian shirt Sunday next week, and every year somebody goes, "Why do you do this? This is so silly," and that really offends me. I repent. (laughs) But let me let me tell you where this came from. I came on staff in 2002. Uh, By 2004, we were in trouble. Our pastor was sick and was going to be out for an extended period of time. We didn't know how long. And uh, so, the elders got together, and we're trying to figure out how to give everybody some sense of stability, uh, some sense of that everything's going to be okay, that God's still in control. He's still on the throne. And we came up with two things. One was our town hall meetings. Prior to 2004, we never had one. So we started gathering everybody together uh, periodically, once every month at first, and then once every three months after a while, just to talk and let everybody know where we were and hear questions and hopefully answer them. The other thing we came up with was Hawaiian Shirt Sunday, and And so we, we we all wore Hawaiian shirts, not everybody, but a lot of people did. We had families coming in, people were making shirts, and you know you 'd have these these mom and dad and then four or five kids all in the same shirt, and that sort of thing so it 's a tradition that 's been here for quite some time for a while, it was the Tom Peeling memorial holiday uh, Hawaiian shirt Sunday uh, because Tom Peeling, one of our founding families uh, nancy 's former husband and the uh, wore Hawaiian shirts. And it was something he and I had in common. Uh, so next week is Hawaiian Shirt Sunday. Wear your Hawaiian shirts. I see Edward's already got his on there. Way to go. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just a gesture of the fact that brothers and sisters, we are united with each other even as we are in union with Christ. And it's a, a, an outward s- symbol of our union. So I'd like you to turn to The book of 1 John, Gasp, we're going to be in chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Hey, Jillian, good morning. (laughs) How you doing? (laughs) Let me read this passage. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is coming in flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the Spirit of the Antichrist, and which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. I was privileged to participate in a retreat weekend not too long ago. And uh, one of the things that they gave as a remembrance of, of that weekend was a coin. We've got a picture of it right there. The, uh, I'm going to pass this around just so you can take a look at it. Catch? Take a look at that. And so, you know, they, they, were, they were all around the place. They were, they were laying on tables, they were on counters and everything. And I started running around saying, hey, there's all this money sitting out there. We can collect it. And people would look at me and go, "Yeah, you know, it's not real. Well, no, 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 no. It looks like a coin. It feels like a coin. It must be a coin, right? And so finally, somebody came up to me and said, how do you know this is a coin? And that, that, that's what I want to ask you this morning. How do you know? How can you tell? How can you tell that whether or not this is a coin or whether it's not a coin? But let's go a little bit deeper. You know, John's first letter to the churches, it, it, it's been amazing. It deals primarily with the false teachers and with errant teaching. And these, these false teachers claim this exclusive knowledge of Christ. Uh, but it was accompanied by some most unusual teachings that went along with that mysterious knowledge that somehow came to you. They taught that Jesus was wholly divine, not really a man, didn't come in the flesh. And and along with that, because he was God and, you know, we're supposed to imitate him, but we can't be totally like him. So sin's not really an issue. Believers don't really sin, or, or at least it's not the main issue for a believer. It's not the primary issue that he's dealing with. And what we really needed was knowledge of Christ. And along with that, knowing who we are as believers in Christ. That was the primary goal. It didn't have very much bearing on holy living and a pious life. So that, that's what made their teaching man-centered rather than God-centric. And it was all contrary to what Jesus taught and what the apostles, including John, were teaching because Jesus taught them they were teaching the church And John was very eloquent in the beginning of his letters saying that we were there. We, we walked with him. He was with us for three years. Here are the things that he taught. So because of all this confusion, there was tension in the church. And, you know, as usual, some people staunchly defended the truth. Uh, other people didn't know what to believe, and still others embraced the teaching and because it, 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 it tickled their ears. It sounded good to them. See, see, we need, to, we need to understand. False teaching hardly ever comes to us with a guy in a red suit and a pitchfork. False teaching comes to us as something that sounds alluring, something that is seductive, something that draws us in, something that causes us to go, yeah, yeah, that sounds right to me. So these people are drawing people away, seducing them by appealing to their egos. I mean, that's what it is in the bottom line, isn't it? So the main emphasis of all this bad teaching was that it's centered on the believer. Watch this. It's centered on the believer rather than the one who saved them. See how alluring that can be? Now, here's just one of the flaws in that thinking, if you allow it to to extend to its its logical conclusion. If If everything is all about you, then so is your salvation, right? If your eternal destiny is about who you are, well, everything's fine until you have a major crisis until something goes wrong, until something unexpected shows up, until uh, a prayer is not answered the way you want that prayer answered, you may begin to doubt who you really are. Now you've got a real problem because everything's about you and you're the center of the universe and you're not quite sure who you are, but you're pretty well convinced that God's not who you thought he was not doing what you expected. So, last week, we heard how we can be assured of our salvation. And let me remind you, it, our salvation relies totally on the Word of God and the work that Christ did on the cross. It's not on our feelings. It's not based on our performance. It's not based on some supernatural knowledge or an awareness not based on human intellect. Brothers and sisters, we didn't figure out the gospel and get it right. You just need to linger on that for a bit. It's not even based on human reason. Nothing about the gospel makes sense. You stop to think about it. God coming down to live on earth and sacrificing himself so that those who believe in him could be with him. There's no myth, no the worship of false gods that conforms to that pattern doesn't make sense. Our salvation is based on the sacrificial work that Christ did on the cross. And our belief in Him, in Jesus Christ, is the only Son of God. So there's all this bad teaching floating around in Macedonia, Turkey in the first century. I've got to tell you something. It's it's here today as well. It didn't go away. So one of the questions we should be asking ourselves by, by the time we get to this point in John's letter is, how do we know the good guys from the bad guys? I mean, you know, if this were an old Western, the good guys would be wearing white hats and the bad guys would be wearing black hats, right? That kind of went away in the early 70s when we had the rise of the antihero. Couldn't tell the good guys from the bad guys. Good guys were bad, and the bad guys were good. How can we be sure of who these false teachers are? If it's around today, how do we know who to listen to? How do we know what to absorb? So today's passage is going to show us exactly how to do that. The sermon's called Test the Spirits. And in the passage, we're going to see two primary spirits, the spirit of truth in verses 1 and 2. And the spirit of error in verses 3 through 6. So let's take a look at this spirit of truth. Verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, comma. Now, John just explained how we can be assured of our salvation. Ultimately, we know that we're saved because of what Jesus did. And the fact that God's spirit is in us. And we'll talk about that a little later. Now, the, the fact that God's spirit is in us testifies. It's the evidence of our salvation. His presence in us is a deposit on our eternal destination. But he's also there to help us. He's the helper. He's there to guide us. He's there to encourage us to walk on that straight and narrow path. He's there to show us how to walk in God's will and walk in God's blessing. So, so that's what he helps us with. And our struggle if if we're going to be honest with ourselves, is to listen to him. Our struggle is to hear him, because he doesn't really shout all that often. Sometimes it does. Sometimes we have these profound experiences where all of a sudden we're aware of the spirit moving inside us, but usually it's a whisper. And so how do we listen to his whisper and not be led by other whispers, other guides? Because John says there are other spirits, doesn't he? And, and you know, in this context, he's talking about false, these false teachers who, who claim to be following Jesus Christ, claim to be in him, even though they exhibit no, no evidence that that's true. There's no fruit in their lives that, that is godly and pious. But you know what? They sound good. They look good. Like I said, nobody's standing up and going, follow me. I'm following Satan. Let's all go form a Satan church. That's not how it happens. They say things that appeal to a lot of people, and folks get led astray. Perhaps perhaps not lost, but certainly not on the right path. Certainly what happens to believers that get led astray like that is they get anchored in their salvation. They never move forward. They're stuck in one phase. And if that's early, then they're stuck drinking milk, as the Gospels say, for the rest of their, their lives here. So, John says that there are those bad spirits out there, and he reveals to us that there may be a lot of people out there claiming to speak for God. There certainly were a lot back in the first century, and i got to tell you something, I think there's even more today. So, John says, listen carefully what he's saying. He says, don't believe everything you hear. Don't just take it for granted that because somebody's standing up front, like me, that they're speaking the truth. Don't believe everything here. Be cautious about what you accept to be true. Now, again, let's be frank. There are a whole lot of talking heads out there. There are podcasts and YouTube and streaming and TikTok and shorts and all this and, and everybody, everybody claims to be speaking the truth. All of them are contradicting each other at the same time. It's incredible. And we know, we know that happens in politics. Oh, there he goes again. But you know what? It happens in the church too. So we have to be careful what we accept to be true. So how can we tell? Well, well John says, test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. He's talking about exactly what we're talking about here. Because there are so many people claiming to speak the truth, we're to test the spirits. Now, to the Jews, when they hear this, this has the connotation of putting something to the proof, examining something closely, trying it by fire to purify, to get the junk out of it. In other words, to examine it carefully and rigorously. So to the Jew, and it should be the same to us, examination has to take place in light of Scripture. So we need to be asking ourselves, how does what I'm hearing hold up against what the Bible says? Oh, we all know that, don't we? Think about this carefully. Let's consider it. Roll it around for a minute. What we're talking about is what we choose to allow to influence us. We're in the age of influencers. You know who influencers are, don't you? They're these people that don't do anything but influence. You know, they've got, they're they're all over TikTok. They're all over Facebook in the shorts, and, and, you know, they've got, they, they don't work. They look good. They take a lot of selfies. They've got incredible amounts of money because because they're influencers. And we pay a lot of attention to them. And they're all trying to tell us something. They're trying to show us something. They all want to have an impact on how we live. You see what's happening? Because this is true of what preachers teach us. It's what I'm teaching right now. But it's true of the influencers out in the culture as well. Oh, now we're kind of moving out from what happens on Sunday morning. A lot of folks would like to believe that the news, politics, people we work with, the people we socialize with, are somehow separate from our spiritual lives, that the rules don't count out there. But What we accept in all parts of our lives has an impact on how we walk with Christ. Doesn't it? It has an impact on our witness. It has an impact on our call. It has an impact on our hearts. We're called to be ambassadors for Christ. It has an impact on how we look at other people, at how we perceive our mission field. And our mission field, brothers and sisters, our mission field is everybody who doesn't have Christ. There are no enemies out there. And that goes for everything that we hear, everything that would have an influence on how we navigate our day, uh, how we perceive the people around us, um, uh, uh, have an influence on our posture and our demeanor, our influence on our deepest heart of hearts. How does this news report compare to what the Bible says? And unfortunately, we live in a time where Many of the influences outside our church tell us to be angry, tell us to be divisive, tell us not to love anyone other than people like us. They tell us to judge and condemn the world and condemn the very people we're called to reach out to, condemn the very people that we're called to share our faith with. And here's the real danger in all this. Those influencers are outside the church. We know that. But they're inside the church as well. That's part of what John's trying to tell us here. So we should constantly be putting everything we hear to the test of Scripture. Let me give you a good example. Those of you who have been with me for a while know I, I used to be a huge Bruce Springsteen fan. Oh man, I, new record was out. I, I'm downloading it like that. Get, right away, I got to hear what Bruce is saying. Had a wife and kids in Baltimore, Jack. I went out for a ride and never came back. Kind of a catchy tune, isn't it? Man, I could see me getting on that bike and just heading for the horizon. All my responsibilities, everything, just leaving behind and just live out on the road. And I knew that wasn't right. I, I the only thing I can tell you that the reason I knew it wasn't right was I was recently saved and there was something inside me that said you can't do that. Oh yeah, you can go buy a bike, you can get on it, but you know, you think that's going to make you happy? There was something inside me that said you can't do that, but the influence was there. That And and you know what I'm talking about. Your favorite movie, your favorite book, your favorite song, your favorite talking head Move you. They evoke something inside that makes you want to be in union with them. Maybe not to the detriment of union with Christ, but that's kind of how it works out, isn't it? I would have missed so much of the richness of what God had planned for me if I had responded to that impulse? Do we dare? Do we dare put all areas of our life to this kind of test? Of course, it goes without saying that you have to know what the Bible says if you're going to put it to the test, Right? This is what John's talking about when he says in verse 2, By this you know, the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. People tell me, oh, you know, we can't put our faith in that book. You know, we put our faith in Jesus Christ. Well, the only reason we know about Jesus Christ is because of the book. (laughs) You know, we didn't make all this stuff up. So we need to know what the Bible says. Spirit of God, the spirit of truth, will be in complete harmony with what the Word of God says. And anything that is not, is not the truth that we need to live like the people that we're called to be. So that's spirit of truth. Let's take a look at this spirit of error, verse three. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. Can it be that simple? Can we just ask these spirits whether or not they confess Jesus Christ? I don't know about you, but I'm not in the habit of talking to demons. I mean, sometimes we think that's it. We're going to think something and maybe get an answer, some kind of mysterious answer that comes back to, yes, I'm from Christ. So what's, what's John talking about? If that's not what he's talking about, it, it, the word for spirit here usually means a supernatural being, but we have to take it into context of the letter because John's talking about these false teachers and the influence they have on the church. Do they confess Jesus Christ? So John is talking about teachings and people that don't confess Jesus Christ. In other words, they don't adhere to the truth of who Jesus says he is. It's not a matter of just saying, I believe in Christ. They're already telling everybody that. They're they're not conforming to the character and nature of who Christ is. They're not being molded and shaped into the image of God by the Holy Spirit. They don't adhere to the truth that Jesus says he is and what the Word of God says about him. John says, that's not from God. As a matter of fact, this is the spirit of the Antichrist. I love this, because every time we see Antichrist, we think about the end times, right? Oh, now we're talking about the end times. Which you heard was coming and is now in the world already. Now, lest we over-demonize the Antichrist, okay, and we have this picture. um, I'm going to challenge you to do something when you go home. Go to YouTube, if you can find it, and put in Antichrist, just put in Antichrist on YouTube and watch the pictures that come up. You know, there's these creatures and there's fire and burning and, and they're ugly and they're dripping stuff and they're, they're, they've got swords they're trying to stab people in and, and they're absolutely horrific. So we want to we make the Antichrist into some kind of personified Satan. And he may be that someday, he may be, okay. Okay. But we need to understand that whatever it or he is, that's been around since at least the first century. I don't think they had YouTube back then. So we stop to think about this carefully. We might just understand what John is saying to us here, and what he's saying is that anything or anyone who teaches contrary to Jesus Christ, anything or anyone who undermines his teaching, anything or anyone that distracts believers from what Christ is really saying is the Antichrist. And they're there not to destroy us. I've said this before. The enemy can't take our eternal destiny from us. All he can do is impede our sanctification. All he can do is is rob us of our testimony. All he can do is rob us of our witness. And from what we see in this letter here, the most effective means he has of doing that is causing us to focus on ourselves. Causing us to focus on our circumstances. Causing us to focus on what's going on around us rather than on God causing us to focus on something other than our eternality. And he does this by distracting us with now so that we no longer have our sights set on eternity. His job is to keep us from living in the full blessing and joy and the peace of Christ, to keep us from the assurance that we have in him alone to keep us off balance, to keep our testimony shaky. So John reminds us in verse 4, little children, he says, you are from God who overcame them. And what he's saying is that believers, we already have everything that we need to defeat these errant teachers, to, to put them on the trailer, uh, to, to refute their errant teachings. And that equipping comes from the relationship that we have with our Father in heaven. It's part of our regeneration. It's part of the new lives that we have in Jesus Christ. It's part of the new heart that is being created in us that we hear so much about. It's part of our union with Christ. The Spirit now dwells in us. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Look at this. The one who lives in us is greater than these lying spirits, greater than these false teachings, greater than anything that can distract us, greater than any worry we may have, greater than any anxieties we may have, greater than any situation we may find ourselves in, greater than our stumbles. Did you hear that? Greater than our failures. He was in us is greater than any problem we encounter. And all those things, and all those false teachers have one thing in common. Verse five, they are from the world. Therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. Are you seeing what John's saying here? It's not that... The Antichrist will be from the world. They're there, they're there. He's not talking about the end times. They've been drawing people away from Christ since the first century church.' been doing it for eons. And their message is so seductive, so likable, the world flocks to them. He says, the world listens, and that word here means to hear, effectually, to obey, to embrace. They suck it up and take it in. You see? This is how powerful any teaching that puts me in the center of the universe can be. The world and these spirits of error teach it. You, you can have more power. You, you have your rights. You, you don't have to put up with that. They, that mysterious they. They which really is anybody who might think a little bit differently than we do. They are trying to take things from you. They are wrong, and you are right. They are lying, and only you know the truth. They are wrong, and you are right. And because of that, you should be angry. You should be indignant. You should fight back. And it goes on and on because it's always about you. John says, here's the biblical truth. Verse 6, we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. He's talking a little bit about himself and his disciples, but he's also speaking of the church, talking about us. If the church knows God, then it listens to godly teachers. It speaks the truth to the world, and the world is being deceived. And the result of speaking the truth of the world is the proclamation of the gospel, which will be truth to the children of God. and will sound just a little bit foolish to the rest of the world. John says, whoever is not from God does not listen to us. Those whose ears are being tickled by this message, being seduced by it, those who embrace a man-centered theology will not listen will not embrace will not absorb will not understand the truth it'll seem like folly to them john says by this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error john said whether or not they listen whether or not they believe will determine whether they are of the truth or of error, whether or not they're lying, whether or not they're deceitful, whether or not they're ungodly. I got a note from a couple months ago, Nancy in Texas. Nancy, if you're listening, thank you. She said, we listen to your service every Sunday. Thank you for speaking the truth. And I immediately, my head got this big. (laughs) But she said, listen to this. Thank you for speaking the truth in every part of your service. From the music, all the way through the sermon, and even during communion. Now, how does Nancy know this is the truth? Nancy knows her Bible. She knows her Bible. So she knew the Holy Spirit. She knows error when she hears it. She knows truth when she hears it. Thank you, Nancy. You know, it's not like there aren't good churches in Texas. There are tons of them. Nancy just found us. She was looking for truth, and she found it in a church that preaches the truth. There are a lot of them. We're not the only ones. So we've seen these two spirits, the spirit of truth. Does what we're hearing live up to the, the test of what the Bible says? That's the test. So, okay. Okay. Should, now, do we have to memorize the Bible in order to understand all this? Do we have to do it all? No, but there, there's an easy way. And, and I mean, wherever you are on your walk, you can do this. There's an easy way to tell when uh, teaching is not from the spirit of truth. Put it to this test Who's this teaching about? Who's this influence about? Is it going to bring me into a deeper relationship with my Father in heaven? Or is it all about me, about my feelings, about my rights? Does it lead me to love and have compassion for other people? Or does it make me angry? Does it make me feel self-righteous? Does it cause me to judge others? Does it create division? Does it create tension, animosity? Does it cause me to be prideful instead of humble? Does it point to me or anyone else other than Jesus Christ? Spirit of truth. And we saw the spirit of error. The spirit of error is the people, the teaching that goes against the truth of who Christ is. It's not some demon monster rising up out of the sea. The primary sign of the spirit of error is whether or not it submits itself to the truth, whether or not the people who teach it are teachable. It all goes back to something that we're very familiar with here at WBF. It's the whole saying of are you going to try and change the word? Are you going to allow the word to change you? Been a lot of talk of truth and error in this passage. And the problem is that everyone claims that they're the one that is speaking the truth. Isn't that what I'm doing right now? When we run into this, when we talk to other people, when we hear other teachings, when we hear the claim to have inside knowledge on something. I mean that that's what the false the false teachers they, they quote scripture, don't they? Hold their Bibles up. They use theological phrases. They write best selling books. Well, oh, everybody's buying this book that must be right. They can all sound pretty convincing. And in the final analysis, how can we tell? How can I tell that coin wasn't a quarter? Brothers and sisters, I know what a quarter looks like. Right? Somebody hands you something that's not a quarter, tell you it's negotiable tender, and you look at it and go, no, it's not. Why? Because I'm familiar enough with a quarter to know what a real quarter looks like. So we have to be with our Bibles. We have to be with our Bibles. I think I may have said this before read your Bibles. Oh, he always says that. But it's the answer, isn't it? Meanwhile, while you're getting familiar with your Bibles, how many, people, how many of you read your Bibles yesterday? Okay. i, I got to tell you something. We, we started Bible reading in, I think it was 2008. Um, and I thought, oh, that will be good for a year or two. I mean, how many times can you go through the Bible? <laughs> you know, well, you can go through it a lot is what I found out. And just this year, I'm sitting there reading things and going, oh, my gosh, I've never seen that before. And so, I've been through the Bible at least 17 times because a couple years I doubled up. And God's still showing me stuff. It's a living Word of God. (laughs) There's no book in the world like it. There's nothing that can touch you as deeply or cut you as deeply as Scripture. And we should be devouring it. So, read your Bibles. Meantime, Meantime, when this stuff comes across your desk, when it comes across your tube, when it's on your phone, just ask yourself that simple question. Who's this about? Because if it's about anything other than Jesus Christ, you need to be very cautious. It doesn't mean we reject everything, What it means we need to be very careful what we accept as truth because ultimately there's only one. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for your word. We give you thanks for the form that it's taken, Lord, the form that we can digest it in, the form that we can read, the form that we can sit down and talk about, Father, that we can discuss, and a, a form that your Spirit uses to draw us closer to you. We thank you, Father, that we have the assurance of our faith that if, if we believe in Jesus Christ as the only Son of God, and confess our sins, then Your Word says we are saved. Saved by the work He did. Saved by grace. Saved by faith. Saved by Christ alone. And there's not much we add to that, Father. So we thank You for the assurance of our salvation. Now we pray that Your Spirit would usher us through our sanctification. Lord, that we would day by day be conformed to your image and drawn closer to you, Father, and be a more effective billboard by putting you on display in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Thank you for tuning in. We'll be back next week. Pastor John back here again. If you are blessed by the service, let me ask you to do us a favor. Would you click on the like button below that little thumbs up? If you're listening on Sermon Audio, perhaps you can comment or even share the sermon with someone else. We'd love to hear from you. We're on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter at WBFVA. We're on the World Wide Web at WBFVA.org. Let us know if you'd like us to pray for you. If you'd like to support us financially, you can make donations through our website at WBFVA.org. Just click on giving. You'll receive a tax-deductible receipt at the end of the year. Either way, we would love to hear from you or even have you visit us in person one Sunday. We meet at 46 Winchester Street in downtown Warrington, Virginia at 11 o'clock every Sunday morning. And now, may God bless you richly until we gather again.